Welcome. Thanks for joining me, the Film 3 OG. I'm Jordan Bain, and this is The Next Wave of Cinema. This episode is brought to you by Final Draft. Final Draft is the industry standard screenwriting software used by 95% of the film and television industry. Along with screenwriting pros such as Aaron Sorkin, Guillermo del Toro, James Cameron and Sofia Coppola to name just a few. Visit www.finaldraft.com to learn how Final Draft can elevate your screenwriting game and take your writing to the next level. Well, Justin Shankaro, how is it that we have uh, been building basically side by side for three years, maybe plus? And uh, this is the first conversation that we've had uh, together, Um, even though we've been like uh, on the same train, we've been building out here in Web3 and Film3, sort of the all-encompassing, you know, media and entertainment sector. How is it that this is the first time that we've met? It's pretty wild, Jordan. I I was just thinking about that before we hopped on your show, that you know, you created this incredible movement, you've been championing it. And I have so many friends that are, uh, you know, in the film three movement, I'm in the film three movement, and film three, and yet, we just haven't had the opportunity to connect yet. But uh, it's a privilege, it's an honor. And I'm so thrilled that you are our fearless leader, we're all, you know, pushing this together, but you are doing it every single day. So it's, it's, it's awesome to finally connect after three years and uh, now I know we're going to be besties. I know, right? And then as you're saying yeah. that, I'm like, he knows that three years is really like 300 years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have three times. Yeah. So we're old as fuck now in this. <laughs> <laughs> we're about 200 by this point. You got uh, it. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I think that there are some people that will be coming on here that may not know that you, your background in in the entertainment business. So I'd love to start there. There's so much to unpack with you. You've been building so many crazy cool things. So, um, I think the first question I have, because I came, you know, to know you because you're a punk Mm -hmm. and, uh, but prior to being a punk and probably still you are uh, a voiceover artist. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So kind of my background is, uh, I started working at the ripe old age of six. Um, you know, I worked as a kid actor. (laughs) So I remember the, uh, first commercial (laughs) I ever did was for Mattel and they had me in a harness and I was flying around. So between flying around and then, as you know, a craft service table with all sorts of goodies to have between takes, I was hooked. I had unlimited amounts of donuts, candy, juice, and then I was flying around and I just loved it. I was a ham and it was fun. And so that was it. I, I went on to do a bunch of commercials and then I guest starred on a bunch of different TV shows. One of them, uh, probably my favorite guest star appearance was on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It wasn't, it wasn't actually meeting Will Smith, who was obviously quite cool. It was Evander Holyfield, who, for those of you who may not even know, he was the world champion boxer at the time. And he showed up on set in a full black leather suit, black leather pants, black (laughs) leather shoes, black leather shirt, and black leather blazer. And to me, that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. He was so cool. Um, So that was fun. And, you know, then I was super fortunate. I got my first series regular job was for a show called 
Erie, Indiana on NBC, which was an amazing series. We were kind of like the Twin Peaks for kids uh, way before Stranger Things. In fact, you know, I think a lot of shows uh, really kind of saw Erie as an inspiration for the shows they later created, like Stranger Things. Then I worked on Picket Fences for almost five years, which was a show uh, on CBS, which was fantastic. Um, and all during that time, I was doing voiceover work. So I started doing voiceover when I was, you know, probably seven or eight. Started working on Disney and the Nickelodeon, um, uh, Hanna-Barbera at the time, which was very big in the late 80s and and the early 90s. I, I don't think they they probably, I think they got bought. Um, but yeah, I, I, I loved kind of working in both worlds concurrently and had the privilege of, of playing Harold on Hey Arnold for about eight years on Nickelodeon, which was great. So I've always been doing voiceover work my whole life. Um, have a great show, an amazing show on Disney Plus right now called Spidey and His Amazing Friends. We're the number one cartoon for two to six-year-olds. And I play Rhino on that. Hey, Spidey, get over here. I'll web you up. Uh, <laughs> so if you have any any kids or nieces or nephews, it's it's an amazing cartoon. So fun. We have a blast. We just got picked up for our fourth season. So yeah, so um, you know, I that's that's kind of my world all kind of prior to even learning or getting involved in web three or NFTs. Yeah. And still that's still kind of what I do. Yeah. I mean, there's so much there and it's like such a rich um uh, background to have, like especially like coming up in this business as a as a kid and 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 actually working all the time. Like you basically went from job to job to job to job to job, um, uh, which is, if anyone knows this industry, is not easy. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's I'm very fortunate. I'm very fortunate to to continue working. It's definitely not easy. I was actually there was a time in the early to mid two thousands when I was on the Screen Actors Guild board, and um, I was. You know, it was an honor to get on the board. And then I was elected to be the chair of the Young Performers Committee. So I oversaw all actors under the age of 18, which roughly at that time, there were about 18,000 young actors, probably a little bit more now. And yeah, you really start to kind of get a sense of, especially transitioning from, you know, child actor to adult actor or just staying in the business. It's very hard, you know, especially since the business is global. You know, you turn on TV, there's so many English actors and Australian and, you know, folks from all around the world that make shows and films better. But of course, it's a, a tremendous amount of competition. And uh, there's so many talented people out there that are fighting for every role, whether it's acting or directing or producing or just being on crew uh, yeah. in those positions. So it's it's a highly, highly competitive business. And when I was on the board of SAG, you you realize that very, very, very few people as actors make a living being an actor. Almost almost everybody has to have a second, third, or or fourth uh, job. It's tough. You know, I, I I always think about when I first came up as an actor and the um the you know, I wanted to be so I I mean, I'm still ridiculously goofy serious. I am like so ridiculously serious that I have to make fun of myself because <laughs> Um, because I do have like a real love for for this art form, for storytelling, for acting, especially, and writing. Like the 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 <laughs> because I'm writing a script right now, and I want to like put a gun to my head. Um, yeah, <laughs> I have such a, a respect for the craft, right? Mm -hmm. And 
But my first experience auditioning, because I, I first was in New York and I was studying and I didn't want to audition. I didn't want to like cloud my brain and 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 get caught up in sort of like that um, mindfuck that it can be, all that rejection. I booked my first two auditions. Wow. That's, yeah. that is insane. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then it went downhill. From there. Yeah, That's incredible. I've never, I mean, I've heard of sometimes people booking their first. It's, you know, you kind of, uh, but two in a row, congratulations. That's uh, amazing. Oh uh, yeah. And you can now understand how it set me up for unbelievable failure. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, so totally. I was like, like, wait, I, I'm supposed to book everything. Yeah. I mean, exactly. So, um, yeah, that it was, it was, you know, it was nuts. And I think that, that to what you're saying to, and, and, and especially like, as you've come up as a kid, I'm often, I think when you were like, you were flying through immediately, honey boy came, you know, and that, that whole story of where he was on the harness and they blew up and he went flying back. Uh, Yeah. I worked with, uh, I worked with him on a, on a pilot cartoon years ago. We worked uh, together probably mid two thousands. That's the only time we worked together, but yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Being a, being a, you know, I was very fortunate. My mom was very focused on education for me. So Mm -hmm. I was never kind of in the limelight. I never really went to, I mean, you know, I was fortunate to work on shows where we, we went to award shows and I'd go to the party after, but I was never going like on, uh, parties or, you know, I didn't have a publicist or I wasn't going to any of that kind of nonsense. So I'm not to say it's nonsense, but you can easily get caught up in that kind of world and, uh, it can be very distorting. So I didn't have in my life, which was good. I was more grounded on kind of being nerdy and going to school and, you know, loving acting in that whole world, but focusing on education and kind of seeing what my next steps would be. I mean, I think that that there's a lot to be said for parents like that or, you know, your mom. I think that that is why Kristen Stewart is so grounded. I think that's why Leo is so grounded. And as opposed to a lot of the sad stories that we've heard, like Brad Renfro is from my hometown, mm-hmm. you know, um, not to be like a buzzkill, but yeah. like, he was a super talented guy. Oh, he was um, great. I mean, the, the client that was... I think I auditioned for that. You know, I auditioned for a lot of these things. I mean, I didn't get it. I didn't, you know, you, you only talk about the wins. You don't talk about everything else that you, you did not get, but yeah, Brad Renfro was brilliant. Um, a lot of, a lot of, I mean, I'm thinking Jonathan, uh, who, yes. was the one, uh, who killed himself, Jonathan. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, shoot. I, I met him a couple times. I did. I had a very small part in a movie called can hardly wait, which actually was cut out of funny enough. I'm at the premiere of this film. I worked on it for like four days. And then right before I walk in, the directors, it was, I think they were a husband and wife said, oh, you know, we loved you in this, but the movie ran long. So we had to cut you out, but you're in the European version. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's great. So my buddy who I went to the premiere with, I was like, well, I'm cut out of this one, but I'm in the European version. That used to always be our joke. He'd be like, oh yeah, sure. You're in the European version. And I'd be like, yeah, I am. And we would laugh about it. And years later, this is like five years ago, he somehow got some kind of copy of the European version. He's like, dude, you're in it. I was like, what? (laughs) But at the premiere, we went to, there's a place in LA. It used to be a big place for like you know, people would hang out at Jerry's Deli and they had a bowling alley next to it on Ventura. Yes. Yeah. You know it. Yes. And uh, 
Jonathan Brandeis. God. Brandeis. Jonathan Brandeis was there. And yeah, he was huge. And then yes. you know, the rejection of of kind of the business is brutal. And uh, you know, unfortunately he took his life. So there's a lot of a lot of kid actors that kind of don't make it out of that world, whether it's going to adult acting or it's just kind of never finding their way. But then there are plenty that really do find their way and become very successful in either our business or in something else. So yeah, it's bad. You know, it's just a really great segue to just, I think, um, certainly people have heard me talk a lot about why film three has evolved, why I got into this, like with such passion and conviction. And I think that, you know, we're just hit on, one of the big pain points, which is the rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because you're being rejected by gatekeepers. Now, not necessarily, you know, is a particular role right for you, or if you're the right director for a project, or this is the right company for you to to place your project, um, you know, or partner with. But the 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 level of rejection, I don't think people really understand. And those of us who have been grinding through it for decades, I mean, I often say we have guts of steel, you know, especially if you haven't had a ton of um, opportunity. And that is the majority of people. And especially um, as you I'm sure you've heard me say, if you've heard me talk at all, um, the marginalized and underrepresented communities out there. So, you know, this the power part part one part of the power of film three is this ownership of your own IP mm-hmm. is this ability to, and we, this is, we'll segue maybe into your book if this feels good, but is this idea of community um, that for me, community is the amplifier is the engine is the it's it's, I, I talk a lot about how it's really no different than owning a Supreme, you know, sweatshirt like an authentic one, right? Where you can flex that. Um, so this sense of belonging, because I, 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 I boil it all down to how we all, we all need to feel that we belong, um, mm-hmm. is a big part of this. So if, in other words, you can mitigate the pain point of rejection if you can focus on this new iteration of of the web of the internet which is web three in the in the big sense where it where you're it's about engagement and it's about community and i really think that i I say all the time community is the utility here and if you can really tap that then it doesn't matter um uh if it's 100 people or a thousand people if they really believe in you and they are your community, this can be your, this can be your financing mechanism and your built-in audience and your amplifiers. So this is really the structure of the film three business model from financing to distribution is the core of it is community. And you have written a book about community, but I just like, I had to like throw in sort of my big, encompassing thing about this idea of rejection and this empowerment of the creator, which is really what I think that this is all about. Um, 
I, if you want to start with how you got into Web3, because, um, you know, you were already flying around on sets, and so now you can fly around in the inter- metaverse <laughs> with ease. Um, and tell us about your book. Sure. No, thank you. And, and that's what a great uh, way that you synthesize film three and your vision for it, because I fully align. I think that's exactly what it is, is tapping into the community for utility from everything, as you said, to financing to amplifiers of, you know, your marketing amplifiers telling their friends. And it kind of, I was just thinking as you were talking that if you, you know, I always look up to the folks in our business who have made it on their own in terms of making their own project. And now, you know, they have the opportunity to work all the time. And what they did, if you kind of look back is they had a very small community of folks who they continue to work with. Look at Sandler, right? Sandler, <laughs> Happy Madison. He has his crew, you know, his crew of of actors and comedians. They're in every movie together. Look at the, you know, the Wilson brothers, right? It was Wes Anderson and Luke and Owen, and they had their crew. I mean, even Vince Vaughn, Favreau with Swingers, they had their crew. Um, you know, it, there are so many of these kind of uh, very talented folks that run the spectrum of uh, that we see constantly that would never have been there, never be there if it wasn't for their tiny community and really working together and continuing to overcome the very many obstacles and challenges that are in our business. So the, the way I got into NFTs and Web3 was actually some friends from college. This was uh, January of 2021. I was actually producing an art series uh, that I was pitching to Netflix and Bravo and, and E. Um, I got into producing about five years before that. Cause I was trying to think, okay, as an actor, obviously we have to wear numerous hats from writing and directing to producing. How do we create our own projects, all that kind of stuff. And I had this really fun idea for kind of like a, um, a millionaire, you know, the, the, the real estate show, which I'm million dollar listing meets the art world. So I cast this show in LA with a bunch of art curators and gallery owners and um, artists. And it was really fun. We were shooting a sizzle. We shot it for about nine months. And then we went out and we, you know, we pitched to everybody and we ended up not selling the show. And it was brutal. I mean, it was so brutal because the sizzle was amazing and we had an incredible deck, but we just got the feedback that, you know, the art, the art world is only for the coast. Only LA and New York care about art. Nobody in the Midwest cares about it which of course we thought was total baloney. And um, it was just devastating not to sell it after working on something for so long and of course not getting paid and putting your own money out. So I get, I'm get i on the phone with a buddy of mine. <clears throat> it's early January, 2021. And he's like, hey, I'm on this website, niftygateway.com. You should buy these NFTs. And I was like, what? First of all, what is that? I had no idea. Is that non-fat tequila? Um, <laughs> oh, it's non-fungible token. And I had never been in crypto. You know, I think I had like one Ethereum, <clears throat> but I had friends that had been in it for a long time. I thought it was a scam. I was like, you know, I was part of that scam train and I was like, oh, that's total scam. That's baloney. And, but I don't know, it was just something inside of me that was like, well, let me take a look at this. And I ended up buying it with him. And then lo and behold, I get kind of brought into this little, I mean, before I even knew what the word Dow was, before any of us knew what the word Dow was. It was like 12 of us buying NFTs together because there was really nothing else to do. It was early 2021. Um, 
the world was kind of still asleep and it was fun. And suddenly all these things were going up in value so much. It was crazy. Like it was just this insane thing. But what really attracted me to NFTs very early on was what you talked about was the idea of ownership. And, you know, I'm coming from the entertainment world for my whole life where we have no ownership, you know, where, where, you know, I, I sold a project, uh, recently, well, about two years ago to, uh, to a studio and we made it as a podcast and now we want to turn it into a, a series and they're not really on board at this point. And so I can't do anything with the project because, you know, they own the rights. Um, when you sell a project to a network or a studio, they own everything. And it's just, it becomes quite depressing because this is your passion. This is what you want to do. And yet you don't have the power to do it because they're the money and they have the control and they have the power. And I quickly realized with these, you know, these different PFP projects, they had amazing art, they had incredible communities and they had ownership of what they really wanted to create. And I saw opportunities to take these projects and not only keep them within the web three NFTs kind of small community world that we were in, but how do you expand that out for the rest of the world to enjoy? How do you bring that to studios and networks and, um, and other communities who are unfamiliar with kind of our little insular world. And that I thought was very powerful. And, you know, the idea of creating NFTs and this kind of the technology behind web three, which would give you as a creator, the power to own, um, your art form is incredibly unique, powerful, never been done before. Um, the idea of giving royalties to folks who create, uh, you know, an NFT, which as an actor I'm used to as residuals, but you know, very, very few people get that. And then those dwindle and you work on something and you see very little to nothing from it. And now you have this power to, you know, put into a smart contract that no matter where it is, you'll be able to get a piece forever. So that's kind of what very much attracted me to it. And then I went down the rabbit hole. I, I joined a hackathon in, in, uh, April of 2021, just to learn as much as possible. And, it was weird. Our team won with uh, this idea around NFT autographs, which was really wow. fun. We started building that. It ended up, you know, we ended up kind of not all the way building it, but we had a great time in the meantime. And and I just learned so much about crypto and the underlying technology and kind of, you know, I got, I got red pill, as they say. And <laughs> but that's, it's been, it's been transformative. I, God, I mean, we do, we align on all of this and, and, you know, the ownership thing is so important. It's really interesting because for me, it is about the ownership and it's really difficult. You know, I think that especially if you come up in this business, you want money so badly because just to get a project off the ground, you got to, you know, if you want a crew, if you want to do it right, um, you've got to have money up front to, to, it's not like you can just open up. Well, actually that, that's not true. I am working on something in an AI situation where I can just open up my computer and, and make some creations, but three years ago I could not. Right. (laughs) That's good. I know that that's like a whole other conversation we're going to have in a little bit, but, but, um, but this idea of how important it is to have self-sovereignty, to have that ownership and to trust that that is enough, right? Instead of, I've got to go sell my, my, my project at Sundance, you know, so that, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of clout there. 
you can you can flex it's fantastic it opens doors no doubt but if you if you sold for a hundred thousand dollars to Netflix or if you were lucky enough and you spent a million that is that doesn't work right, right. but if you have uh if you have an audience that if you if you have a community that helped you finance, then they have skin in the game and they help you amplify and they're proud to be a part of this. I mean, this is a beautiful thing about punks, right? Um, and by the way, I just have to go backwards a second. I've been in crypto since 2015. In wow. 2011, I thought it was a scam. I thought it was monopoly money. In yes. 2000, and finally in 2015, I got a little, I think I got like $10 worth. I mean, it was nothing um because i couldn't afford anything but i'm like okay whatever the in 2017 of course it was crazy and i heard about crypto kitties i heard about punks and i'm like what is this crypto art (laughs) so stupid (laughs) uh yeah i mean i love to tell the story of my stupidity um uh and so jordan i've got sorry to interject i mean i i was at uh, a friend of mine who was who worked at warner brothers he was a vp he got invited to the Winklevosses were having an event at their house. They were, I guess, one of the main funders for Gemini. Yeah, exactly. Our future mayor who was Eric Garcetti, I guess is, no, he's no longer our mayor now, but he's our mayor for a while. And so my buddy Pava was like, Hey, do you want to come with me? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? So we go up to this insane house. They had like a $22 million house in the, on the bird streets in the Hollywood Hills. It was crazy. And this was 2014. Wow. And they were, uh, they got up and they spoke about Gemini and Bitcoin. And then they introduced the the mayor or the future mayor, et cetera. And so that night I went home and I was looking and it was $250 for Bitcoin. And I had no idea what it was. And I was like, I wonder if I should get like a tiny little piece of this. And then I was just watching. I watched for a couple weeks and it went to 500 and then went down to like 175. I'm like, this is scam. I knew it. I knew this was scam. It's total nonsense. And then, you know, shoot myself. Right. (laughs) So I think, I think all of us definitely have that. I mean, I could have been, I could have been, you know, I could have owned Hollywood if I just gotten a little bit of it, but it is what it is. Yeah. Oh, well, too bad that you and I don't own a Hollywood. We would, <laughs> That's we right. would be, you know, the right hearted people making sure lots That's of, right. lots of good things happen. Um, oh, you know, God, Justin, I'm just, I'm just thinking about the time on this and I'm like, yeah, there's going to be a part two. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's going to be season three, part two with Justin. Cause there's so <laughs> much that you have done and accomplished and contributed and we you know in in the web three so because uh i I had mentioned your book let's let's talk about that tell me about this book yes the future of community it's an amazing book and the inspiration behind it was my podcast co-host john and i did over 100 episodes for nft heat we actually we totally should have had you on i don't know how how that didn't happen jordan um and we started this you know, we started doing our podcasts in our closets and I was at an, an NFT event. This is probably late 2021. And I came across this guy. We started chatting and he's like, Hey, I, I love your guys' podcast. And he's like, do you want to put it on TV? And we're like, of course, that'd be so fun. So we ended up doing this podcast with Alter TV. So we literally went from 
having incredible guests on thought leaders in the NFT space, excuse me, to now having it on television with a three camera shoot, uh, with a five person crew, we were shooting it out of a, a studio in Culver city and it was amazing. And so we did over a hundred episodes and John, my partner has got a really big presence on LinkedIn. You know, us as we kind of degen into Twitter, he, he wasn't super focused on NFTs. He was more interested in kind of brands and how they were looking at the NFT space and web three and was working at a metaverse company. So he was very focused on LinkedIn. I was more focused on Twitter. And then Wiley, the publisher approached us and said, Hey, you know, you folks look like you have some pretty good knowledge of NFTs, web three, the metaverse, you know, community. Would you be interested in writing a book? And we were like, yeah, sure. That sounds <laughs> fun. And they're like, okay, you know, here's your deadline. It's in three months from now. We need this book to be written and then we'll put it out. And we're like, great. That sounds easy. You know, we've both been in this space for three years, which as you said, is like, you know, generations. <laughs> and we thought, no, no big deal. And then we started writing and it was like, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming. What are the chapters going to be about? We started, you know, saying the same things in different chapters and having to edit. And it was so scary. We had this deadline approaching us, but as a writer, a deadline is good because you have to get it done, but it was also terrifying. So we were up till four in the morning, pulling our hair out when we were flying to things. We were writing on the plane, writing all night, rewriting. The first draft was horrible, slashing that in half, rewriting it. I mean, we wrote like eight drafts in the course of three months. And finally, finally, uh, we felt like the book was really representative of us in the space. And, and we're very proud of it. And th the whole focus of the book is to teach people who either are very familiar with web three, like us or folks who have never heard of the term, be able to dive in, learn how to build a community, learn how to monetize that community and be able to make your own projects and substan you know, financially, uh, build yourself up from the bootstraps and make a living from, as you said, a hundred super fans or a thousand super fans and forget about the traditional kind of gatekeeping world that we're used to now with these super fans and understanding how to build community as a utility, understanding the infrastructure and the tools and techniques of web three, you can really set yourself apart in a way that very few of us know how to and make a tremendous living and be, have ownership of your art. And, uh, it's, it's incredible. So this book is meant for actors. It's meant for directors. It's meant for artists. It's meant for folks who are building their own brand. It's really meant for creatives to have power and ownership and knowledge of taking your creativity, honing it and building what you want and being able to make a living from it from web three. That's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, first of all, I almost broke into tears when I was listening to you talk about the writing process. Because oh, yeah. You were like up till four in the morning. I was saying the same thing in like on in this chapter, in this chapter, I was just repeating myself. I'm like, oh my God, that is my life right now. In yeah. every, you know, a white paper, a deck, the the my screenplay, I swear I say the same thing in like several scenes, and I'm like, oh God. Uh, <laughs> you've got to have more to say than this. Um to your point about like all of this on self-sovereignty and ownership and why this is for actors and directors and artists. Um, I encourage everybody to pick up uh, Justin's book. 
Now a word from our amazing sponsor Coverfly. To make it in this industry, you need to stand out. And the best way to stand out is by creating a Coverfly account. Coverfly is a writer-centric platform designed to help emerging screenwriters track successes across talent discovery programs and platforms. Best of all, Coverfly is free to use for writers. Coverfly has tons of resources designed for writers looking to break into the industry, like the Coverfly Writers Competition page, where you can search and enter top competitions, labs, fellowships and contests. The Coverfly Coverage Marketplace, where you can choose the best notes and coverage packages that suit your unique needs. The Coverfly Industry Mandates page is where top studios, showrunners, producers, agents and managers post opportunities looking for specific material. And the Coverfly Events page features seminars, webinars and Q&As you can attend live or watch on demand. Coverfly has everything you need to break down the heavily guarded gates of Hollywood and they'll be by your side every step of the way. Take a few minutes and explore all Coverfly has to offer at Coverfly.com. That's C-O-V-E-R-F-L-Y.com. Tell these guys again uh, what the name of the book is. It's called The Future of Community. And it's on Amazon. It's at Barnes & Nobles. It's a Target. So Amazon is obviously just kind of the probably the easiest way to get it, which is fantastic. So really appreciate everybody going out to get a copy. We, we got on the bestsellers list, which was amazing. So we're, uh, we're an Amazon bestseller for the book in a couple different categories. And actually everybody's been asking, when's the audio book coming out? When's the audio book coming out? So next week I'm going into the studio to record the audio version, which is going to be a lot of fun and, uh, you know, can't wait for everybody to, to tell me what they think. We've gotten, you know, so far really wonderful feedback, uh, very grateful for five-star reviews and, you know, everybody's getting a lot of value out of the book. And that's really what we wrote it for. We wanted to teach people how to build community, how to monetize off that community and also make it super fun and lightweight. We don't want it to be this kind of book where it's just your eyes glaze over. We share a lot of anecdotes, uh, John and I, my co-author and I about obstacles we've overcome in our careers, you know, challenges we've had to overcome. And, you know, it's part motivational and part really teaching you how to build a community and monetize that community and have ownership over your art form. I feel like that there's going to be a, you know, there's a, there's a evergreen element here because mm -hmm. building community, I've been building community. I, I, I tell people a lot, the squad's original iteration really was a thing called the lab New York, where, uh, once a week, actors, writers, directors got together as a as a lab to come in and and explore and experiment and and you know actors would come in and they would improv you know just to sort of like work things out and then you know they the community would be they it was always up to the person to have autonomy do you want feedback or do you not want feedback no i don't because maybe they just wanted to 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 you know explore something and have their own voice in their head and not have feedback or yes. And it was the same with people who were emerging writers, you know, they'd come in and they'd read things we made short films and we taught people how to, um, you know, as a, as a, as a group, we would get, we would crew these short films. So you would tap the community to crew and be in front. And so you, you know, the actors would learn how to not be, um, so, uh, uh, self, what's the word I want? Not conscious, but 
In other words, learn, learn to be, uh, to serve the other people, like remove your oh. ego. This is not all about you. In fact, you are going to go get them coffee now because you're part of the crew. And That's right. That's right. <laughs> so right. it had, it had all this great, you know, thing. So to, you know, talking about community and why I believe so much in this, I think that in 10 years, um, people will be able to come to your book that are coming into and still being onboarded into this new sort of wild west that it is and be able to go back um, and just like we can with some of the Bitcoin books and the Bitcoin documentaries right now where they they are still incredibly important because the concepts are are evergreen. Right. So thank you. I'm, no, I'm, that's I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And that that was really uh, a big part of the book was to make it evergreen because obviously technologies change incredibly quickly and every, as we say, you know, it's lightning speed in, in our space. So it's just constantly changing, but how do we build a book that you can pick up in five or 10 or 20 years and still get a tremendous amount of value from it. And that was very pertinent to our process. I also think that it's really very apropos that you are a member of the OG community as a punk, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's the real deal. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I th thank you, and I have to say, you know, obviously, it's it, to me, it's my favorite community. It, there are so many wonderful communities in our space, but I really, you know, if you look at all the different projects and I've been involved in, in a lot of them just as terms of a collector or in some capacity and as you have too. Um, you know, a lot of times we look at the, the founders of that project as well, they have to constantly give us utility. And as you know, when you're building anything, it just, it takes a lot of time. And then some of these projects run out of money very quickly. And especially with royalties, not, you know, being kind of canned, there isn't a way to constantly give back utility. And the great thing about the punk, community is, you know, there's never a desire for community from the founders, the, the, the utility, uh, or the utility from the founders, the utility comes from the community itself. And that's, that's really cool. You know, that's what it's, I think this space really should be about. It's the community helping each other, the community driving the project. And with that comes value as well, because people realize, wait, just being part of this community is uh, very special. You have literally unpacked most beautifully my saying community is utility. Hmm. That's it. They drive it. Um, I, I love I love that. In fact, I'm probably going to be quoting that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quoting um, you, so that's all good. Yeah. This yeah, I think it's really important what you just also pointed out. Like being an indie filmmaker coming up in New York City, which is, you know, and never having like, you know two pennies to rub together, but mm -hmm. still making it happen mm -hmm. really has been my strength mm -hmm. in this space because I didn't come in and drop a big project and like get big bags and we didn't have a big treasury, but I have just shown up out of like really this belief in what you're talking about. And I know that it, it's coming, right? And this time I'm not going to miss out like on Crypto Kitties. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to be exactly. here. That's right. <laughs> and, um, but I think that, that it really, all of that, for lack of another word, hardship mm -hmm. gave me this guts of steel that I can make this happen by being innovative and imaginative. And, and I do wake up every day actually 
with two things. One, how can I bring more value to the community? And how can I how can I bring utility? Because this is the fun part for you know for me the 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 re- rewards are fun, right? Mm-hmm. So if we can figure out how to do that and then sort of and again we've been in a build bear market now for almost two years. Well, two years. Um, it's been a little harder, and if you don't have the money to like keep you know pushing out um, I don't know metaverse deeds and. Uh, <laughs> And, and other things, um, comic books and things like that. Um, there's been uh, an ability not to have that pressure on that in that big way because it's not an expectation, mm-hmm. right? But it doesn't mean I don't desire that kind of um, really fun. Uh, it, it's a fun aspect of Web yeah. three, right? And Absolutely. and then this this shared. It's it's like sharing the 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 cookie jar with everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? You know, I, I agree. And and you know, not to touch on a sore subject, but you know, recently obviously we saw Sora come out with open AI. And it's kind of scary, obviously. All of us in in our business are kind of like terrified of if you can just sit and write a prompt in AI and it's gonna put out you know, an Oscar worthy film or an animation, you know, what is going to be our purpose? Why are you going to have to have sets with hundreds of folks working together to put something out there? And I just kind of, you know, it's, I think we're in this, uh, time period of, of thought and creativity and, you know, AI can be used and harnessed as such a great tool, but it also could be potentially a very great threat. So what, what are, what are ways that we can, that we can kind of hack that, use it for a tool, but not be replaced by it. And I keep coming back to Web3. I keep coming back to community and what we're building, what you're building, what we're building here together as a way where you're not going to need millions of folks to go watch your film or watch your TV show. You're going to need a thousand and that'll be it. And you'll be able to make a great living and, and be a hero to those people and have a super niche kind of fan base. Um, and you'll be able to make a great living creating your art. And I think that's where we're definitely going. This is, you're, you're preaching to the choir. This is like literally what I say all the time. And I think what I have come up against is that there is this romant, uh, romantic idea still that if you're a filmmaker, you want to sell to every territory. You want to be known. You want to be at the Cannes Film Festival. You want to be at Sundance. You want to like have these accolades. But the truth is, is that I really think that there is nothing more powerful that has come in my lifetime than Web3 for sustainable living for creators. And so if you can embrace that you don't have to sell to every territory, you don't have to go to every film festival. And I know that that's not a popular opinion, but like film festival fees break independent filmmakers, right? Crazy. Crazy. And yeah. I mean, a huge part of your budget goes to that instead of being in the frame. You're right. And, and also, you know, not to, not to interject, but I mean, unless you get into Sundance or Cannes or Tribeca or Venice or Toronto, it, or maybe Palm Springs, it doesn't really matter because, you know, and it, these film festivals, which are great, you know, to give you kind of personal accolades and maybe give you the, the gusto to continue going forward. They're not going to end up 
helping you drive the sale of your film. It may help you build some network and relationships, but those big film festivals, which are next to impossible to get into, they're so gatekept. They're mm-hmm. so, you know, it's like, well, who's in the film? Well, isn't this an independent project? So mm-hmm. there really shouldn't be anybody famous in the project. But, you know, these 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 festivals have become pseudo Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and what people don't realize is there's very, very little money in Hollywood. Like, I mean, there's very, very, very few people who make a lot of money and most people make next to nothing. Um, and if you even sell your film to Netflix, you're not going to make that much money. Or if you're at a festival, like you talked earlier and it costs you a million or a million and a half to make an independent film, which is nothing to, I mean, that's very little money to make a decent film and you sell it for a hundred grand. Well, you just lost 900,000. So, um, these are kind of concepts that people don't necessarily understand until they're in the business. Um, and they start to really realize, wait, you know, there's a little bit of money for the top. They make everything. And then most folks make very, very little to nothing. So this opportunity in web three, as you said, to sustain yourself as a creative, to continue to make your art, to build your community is extraordinarily powerful. And is we see the infusion of AI so much more in art. I think it's going to even be much more powerful. Uh, yes. I mean, and, and also this, this, I, God, we have, we could unpack so much and I, there's so much I haven't even gotten to about you, but I love this. Um, yeah, because fun. wow. Um, yes. If, if one of the things that I've been trying to convince and it's true, it's really convincing people to to not to you know to have dignity <laughs> coming mm-hmm. back to owning your own ip you know don't beg somebody to to buy your ip and then you know and yes if they buy it for a hundred thousand dollars and you spent 1.1 1. 1 million and then they shelve it or they don't put any marketing behind it like you have no rights there but if yeah. you have that if you have that true fan base that will that will help you finance, right? And we saw it with Miguel Faust. We saw it with Julie Pacino. We've seen, yep. you know, it work. Um, and then, again, going back from financing to the amplification that your marketing hub, your to the to the distribution being your built-in audience, um, they are there. They are proud. They see themselves on the screen, and this is really important for the 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 people who have re- been gatekept a lot, the marginalized communities whose voices we haven't been able to see. Um, I wrote a whole article on Decry- in Decrypt about rep- how, why representation matters. Mm-hmm. Um, that that how important it is if those people can help finance that. If it's a hundred, if it's a thousand, then you as a filmmaker, you are going to be able to built an audience, distributed via, guess what? The internet, which mm-hmm. is global, mm-hmm. right? You don't have to go to Sundance, which is this tiny little community, and then maybe you never get picked up and you don't have a distribution arm and, you're, and, you're, and no one sees your film. You can, you can come up with a situation, whether it's one of these new uh, Film 3 distribution platforms that are evolving right now and, 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 and coming forth and exploring this, or you can, um, you know, figure out in a way like what we've done with Medican, which is on, on the Theta blockchain, we have a film festival and people come in and they can, you know, watch your film and not 
you know, for a couple of weeks. I mean, there are options, I guess is really what I'm saying here. And there's options for you to possibly recoup. 1,000%. And I think, you know, what's interesting about the space, one of the interesting things is it's very experimental. You know, yeah. there, as you said, there are these incredible new Web3 distribution platforms that have popped up over the last couple of years that are experimenting. Uh, there's a way for you to tap into the community to finance the project that want to now be on board because you can recoup and that are on board for your second and third project. And this is an experimental phase where, you know, Hollywood is so old guard. It's been practically the same way for a hundred years. There's been, you know, some evolution with DVDs and the streaming model, but in terms of a creative, there isn't much evolution at all because the, the studios in the twenties owned your content and in 2024, the studios still own your content hundred percent. So there's been no evolution for the creator to have ownership and IP and maybe unless you're one or two creators and even the, the top two or five, they still don't have IP ownership. They just get more money than, than everybody else. So in the web three space, this is, a, this is, a, we're in a, an experimental phase we're, and that's what creatives are. We're, we experiment, you know, we're not, this is not rocket science where it's two plus two equals four. And, you know, there's a mathematical equation. There's a formula. This is creativity. There's no right or wrong answer. It's always evolving. It's always growing. We're taking two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, two steps back. We're constantly pushing the boundaries, trying things together, experimenting, but it all comes back to community. When you can lean on the person next to you and you know have a trust fall and they're going to carry you and you're not so worried about screwing up and getting rejected and trying things and it's failing, but you're going to continue pushing the boundaries. I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. I was just really enjoying listening to you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let me, let me sort of segue back a little bit to my thoughts about AI. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to some people, maybe you controversial thoughts about it, but I don't think they're that controversial. I think that you, for me, you nailed it. If we can harness it, I think that there, there are ethical issues that, that are very obvious um, that that we need to all take care of, mm-hmm. even outside of our business um, and outside of our industry. But as I said to someone yesterday, because um, I I curated a block of AI films for the last uh, the last Medican um, Film Festival cool. um, in October, and I'm really impressed with um, the artists that are you know that are making films, and I'm experimenting in that world as well. And a lot of it is um, because it's a, there's a democratization there. There are mm-hmm. things that I can do that I that that I just could not afford to do as a filmmaker. But I wanted, I had the vision, right? But I never had like the financing for that. I couldn't get a crane shot. I couldn't, you know, you know, get um, uh, afford a particular photographer or cinematographer for and and a production designer to be able to create what I saw in my head. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this for me is is not a lot different than me going to my cinematographer and saying, hey, this is the look or this is the frame. By the way, did you see um, the way Roger Deakins shot, you know, uh, Jesse James, which mm-hmm. is literally one of my favorite 
shot films. Like it's so beautiful. Um, and I said, so I can use, I can use that as a reference and then we can look at that. And then, because I don't have the, the, the capacity, um, and the skill to be able to bring that up into the frame, but my cinematographer does same with like my production designer here, here are the, the comps, take a look at all of these things. So I kind of use AI in that same way. Right. I'm like, these are the, but instead of going to one person, I'm going to a collective conscious mm -hmm. of trying to find a reference point of that. So I see it as a tool, um, uh, like Photoshop, like, uh, like a lot of the things that happen in post with CGI, not mm -hmm. much different than unreal engine. Um, uh, my only terrifying concern is more on the unethical things. I am less concerned about someone being able to prompt themselves into uh, brilliance because I think that prompting is really, really challenging. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's sort of like a, a little bit of my take on it. Yep. Um, that, uh, I mean, I would imagine 11 labs would be like a little bit like, freaking you out as a voiceover person oh yeah uh, sure. <laughs> but anyway do you want to do you want to step into this a little bit i know it's 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 uh sure yeah i mean it's just um <clears throat> again we're 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 a little bit too early to tell what's going to happen but mm. i mean just in terms of talking to, to friends in the business the last few days everybody's kind of freaked out um yeah. because obviously you know we see kind of early days of Sora just what they're releasing. And so it's not so much now, but it's how quickly technology evolves. If you look at what Dolly or, or mid journey was doing, you know, early 2022 versus now with Dolly three, it's crazy, right? I mean, you had yeah. kind of the claw hands early <laughs> on and now it's just perfection. So if you think of Sora as a 15 to 30 second video clip now, that looks pretty sensational. What about in two years from now where you can prompt a two hour film? Um, that's kind of what's scary. And I, I think that we're going to have to put some guardrails in mm. and the issue is, you know, how do you do that in a way where the cat is already out of the bag, the genie's out of the bottle. It's hard to put things back in. And so, okay, well, if that's the case, how are we going to make sure we sustain ourselves as creatives in this business and not lose all of our jobs, whether it's mm -hmm. voiceover or it's on camera or it's directing or it's crew. And that I think are questions that I don't know if necessarily I know the answer or any of us know the answer yet, but I think we need to have those conversations. And as you, you know, you brought up in terms of your thoughts already, which are great. I think that conversation needs to be had on a big scale and constantly. Um, and I do feel strongly that you know, fortunately being in the web three space is one of the big answers. And it's, it's, it's building that community where your community wants to support you and believes in your vision and loves your passion and wants to be part of the creative process along with you and have ownership in it with you. And it's really going to segue from that idea of creating a film as we talked about for, you know, 80 million people to a thousand. Um, and that, that's going to be the way to sustain your art, grow, experiment and make a great living, hopefully doing that. 
Um, but again, I don't, I don't necessarily know what the answer is. I don't think anybody does. I think those are the, we need to have those questions and we need to discuss it. We do need to discuss it. I mean, and I, I'm really fortunate. I get to discuss these things right now, you know, um, with some of the, the leaders in the AI and AI cinema, you know, some of the things that we talk about, or I even think about, you know, when digital cameras came out and everybody could put a camera in their hand and now you've got your iPhone and anybody can make a movie. Anybody can make a movie, they said. But truly not anyone can make a good movie. Mm-hmm. It still comes down to your ability as a storyteller, right? Yes. Um, and I and I, I always, and I don't mean that sort of like in sort of in any elitist way, but I do re- say that like, yes, if, if we're all born creative, but is everyone actually an artist? Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a there's a fine line there between those who who elevate their craft. Um, and so I think that that's one of the things that I, I feel, again, why it doesn't terrify me except for some very unethical things. And the other thing is I feel like the change is the only certainty in life. Um, and we've seen this, again, um, from even the Industrial Revolution where it completely upended people's ability to 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 feed their families. And, that's, and, and that sort of you have to adapt or die kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I feel like that both of these things that the guardrails had to be built after it was already, it already happened, right? Mm-hmm. People had, the governments had to come in and sort of like take care of their populations and things like that. Um, and in our industry, you know, I, I, I hear you on that. And, and I think that the conversation for me is a lot of fun and, um, and, and, to be open and honest about it, right? Instead of like just steamrolling over the ethical questions mm-hmm. to actually say, yeah, I'm very bullish on it, but also I really am keeping my eyes and ears open, mm-hmm. you know, about what's going on. Um, that makes, brings me to, uh, because a lot of the things that, I, that I'm involved with and I see happening in web three to do with animation mm-hmm. how i didn't know you had an animation studio yeah yeah we've uh you know what's interesting and first of all that's those are really thoughtful and very poignant points about ai and i'm going to use them and i will quote you with them jordan because you're at the forefront of of ai uh curating films and doing your own films with ai but those are excellent points regarding and I've, we've thought about that as well around storytelling. Even if you look at AI, what comes out of it, it's even though it looks great, there is a kind of a similar feel to it. And storytellers are storytellers. We've been doing it for you know a long, long time, and we have a way of doing it that's going to be different than I think a computer putting something out. Um, and that's that's very critical. So that that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, yeah, in terms of animation, so what happened was. I was looking at all of these incredible projects and thinking, wow, these are, you know, they're characters, they're animated characters, they're incredible art. And then how do we feed the community? How do we give the community something that they want? And a lot of them were screaming, like, we want an animated show. We want something animated. And also my thought was, well, how do we bring these projects again out to a larger audience and expand their intellectual property? And I happen to be at an NFT function in LA. This is early to mid 2022. And there were a lot of folks there and I was just at a table chatting and 
somehow it came out that I was on this, you know, I played Harold on Hey Arnold and the guy across from me was saying, Hey, I was actually one of the animators on the show. And I was like, what, you know, animators and voiceover talent are not in the same room. We don't mix. We, you know, a lot of times we don't know who's part of the crew or who's part of the anim animation crew or painting on the show. And we hit it off. We we're both DJs and we thought, Hey, you know, why don't we talk to some friends who are also in our space who come from kind of the traditional cartoon world and see if we can put something together. And that's what we did. And so we launched uh, 3.0 Studios and, you know, really had the privilege of working with a lot of great projects um, and putting together cartoons and pilots and animated content. We have some really fun stuff coming out with a, a very big project, which I don't think can be revealed yet because they haven't announced it yet. But uh you know, that'll be, that'll be dropping soon. So yeah, we've had an absolute blast being able to work with the communities, you know, making a project community first, having the community be part of the storytelling process, having them audition to be part of the voiceover talent, having them contribute to plot lines and characters. So it's been, uh, it's been really a, a wonderful experience. It's amazing. I am so excited about this because, you know, I, I I work and I'm good friends with the guys over at Toonstar with John and yeah. Louisa. Um, and they've been, you know, kind of on the forefront here in the animation and also with Rob Feldman uh, and his uh, psycho um, with the Napoleon Dynamite guys. I just yes. actually had them Love on. Love them. They're, They're amazing. I had They're them amazing. on my uh, squad show. Uh, um the other day I had, they were hilarious. I had John Heater. Heater. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, and, and Rob Feldman and, and, and I was so full on my goofy self <laughs> that, <laughs> that I couldn't like, I, I couldn't stop myself from just laughing and giggling. And I think that they were probably like, I thought she was like, like a serious professional. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, well, yeah, when, you're I talking, when you're talking to the Napoleon uh, folks, it's it's hard not to be goofy. And Rob is a, such a brilliant talent, and Psycho is awesome. So, uh, no, I'm so so thrilled for for that project, for the team he's put together, and for Theta, and obviously your involvement too. It's it's awesome. Yeah, I uh, he's coming on the show in a in a couple of weeks. So I'm really excited. He's fun. He's wonderful. Yeah, and he's so humble. Yeah. Like it, it, it. Oh, and the greatest line. I'm just going to say it for 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 uh, on the show uh, the other day was he said something. <laughs> and I was like, are you sure you're Gen X? I think you're a boomer. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> he's like, I'm not a boomer. I'm not a boomer. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It's hilarious. And like literally the thread underneath the show was like, I'm not a boomer with all like the little. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's great. Oh, that he's so great. awesome. Um, so let me ask you then um, just about sort of your, the other things that, that you're involved in. You've got a lot of things going on in Web3 and, and I realize also in, in, in sort of like your legacy life. Um, what are the things that, that I don't know about that, um, that are really exciting you right now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we put together with a couple other teammates, um, a punk a fellow, very good friend, Bit Futures and Julian. Um, we put together a project called the Mint House, which was the first Web3 decentralized book on the blockchain. Mint I know Mint House. Yeah. 
yeah, we we created that project. I remember when you brought this out, and I was like, yeah. "This is cool." Yeah, yeah. The Mint House was it's a very very special project. We worked on it for over over a year to to we work with a brilliant artist, uh, wonderful artist. She's based in Thailand. We she wanted to stay anonymous because it was her first PFP project, and she does a lot of one on ones that are one of ones that are uh, very highly valued. We wanted her to be able to kind of use her name, but we totally respected her. And she, you know, spent a long time coming up with the art. It's a, it's a project I'm incredibly proud of. And we just, you know, we, we launched the project in kind of the, the depth of the bear market. So it was difficult because we sunk a lot of capital into it and weren't able to recoup, you know, even a fraction of it. But very proud of the project. We have an incredible collector base of punks and apes and um, just a wide swath of the community. And um, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful book. It really is gorgeous. And it tells the story of Bit, who's a magical creature who shows up um, in the bedroom of a of a of a of a little human who wants to learn about Web three and Bit takes them to the mint house where they meet different artists and creatives and photographers and musicians and they learn how to make art and how to build a community and how to make a living and it's such a beautiful book it really is spectacular and um so we're very proud of the mint house and we actually have some really cool announcements coming up soon that have been you know, kind of, as we know, it takes a while to kind of build things. It doesn't happen overnight, especially when you're at a loss of funds, but we have not ever given up. And we really see the Mint House as something that's going to be here for the long term. We're going to be bringing it to school districts, uh, which we're very proud of to educate kids about Web3. We're also, uh, we partnered up with IP3, which is a a great um, Web3 intellectual property group that I'm dear friends with, and we're going to be creating all sorts of new projects around the Mint House that we're going to start getting some funding for that's going to be very exciting for the community. So very proud of the Mint House. Um, and uh, yeah, it's... By the way, I, uh, I I love that you, you're with IP3. I know Christine and, uh, and Sarah and, uh, and... Oh, yeah. Love yeah. them. Sarah and I have been dear, dear friends for a couple of years and she's like family and Christine's amazing and David's incredible. And, you know, I, I, they have been also working very, very hard. They didn't just launch something overnight. Yeah. They've really been strategic and methodical and building community and bringing on projects that they are uh, passionate about. And um, now they're in the fundraising portion of, of building that out. So yeah, no, yeah. it's, it's we're we're so thrilled to be aligned with them and really see so much utility that we envision for the Mint House that's going to start coming to fruition. So very very excited about that. Uh, this is like really a prescient moment because yeah, they are just rolling out their stuff and this uh, you know and and we're going to be this conversation is dropping right basically at that at that moment for them. Yep. So. Nice shout out for yeah. IP3. Absolutely. Uh, and then real quick, uh, I've, this year is going to be a big year for me for creating content. I've, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of a little bit dropped the ball in terms of my creation, in terms of getting my acting and, and product out there. So I've got a pilot 
uh, sizzle that I'm shooting in a, in a few weeks, March 16th, 17th, and 18th, which I'm super excited about a project I've been writing for years, as you know, as a writer, uh, which I'm so excited about. And then two other pilots and a, and an indie film that I'm going to be, uh, shooting this year in 2024. So very excited about that. And, uh, just getting, you know, getting my content out there. I feel you so hard on like putting your artist on the back burner to build something. Yeah. Um, that's what I've done. And that's, uh, 2024. Uh, you God, you and I are aligned. <laughs> I literally am doing the same, um, putting all of that on the forefront. But I think, you know, like, um, building a foundation for something. I'm always saying like, I've been building the foundation for film three for three years and a lot of projects have launched, you know, small and bigger and, and, you know, we've amplified them and supported them. And, but those of us who have done that, right. Who have sort of been talking and leading, it's time for us also to prove the concept mm -hmm. that, you know, and especially like, if you're able to make this, you know, I'm always talking about bridging to Hollywood in, in the best ways where we can bring these new tools and these new ethos, this new ethos where it's not, um, it's not predatory. Mm -hmm. It's not about them, you know, eating the creators and getting all the profit, but it's really where the creators are getting the majority of the revenue and being able to create sustainable livings. So I'm very excited about that for you. Let me ask you one quick question because... Yes. What is future proof? Future proof. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, like there's yeah. well, I know there yeah. was something else. I mean, listen, yeah. I, I'm telling you that <laughs> you, we're gonna have to bring you back because there's gonna be well, so we'll much do, that happens. We'll this do year. a part duh for sure. Yeah. yeah, future proof launched out of John and I's podcast and the book, which is the future of community, which we talked about. And future proof, we thought we need to create an agency where we can talk to brands who want to learn more about the metaverse. And we've got all this experience and knowledge and, you know, how do we help them get into the metaverse and how do we bridge that gap for them and be that conversational piece and provide strategy. So that's what future proof is. It's, it's a way to speak to brands and speak to, to companies out there and help them educate, learn, and launch a project in the metaverse. This is very exciting. All right, listen, we're, we're, we are running out of time. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I mean, we're kind of really lucky that they're, for me and you now, I can see there are guardrails on our conversation. Um, right. it, uh, otherwise, it would last till Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, Justin, this has been fabulous. I am so inspired by what you've accomplished, what you're doing in your vision, um, but really proud of you of of how you have this vision and how you are going about bridging this um to legacy hollywood and your vision for creators and thank you for that well thank you thank you i those are very very kind words uh especially coming from you so i really appreciate it it's been a privilege to be on your show and finally connecting after three years and uh as you said we'll definitely have to do a part deux and a part trois and collaborate, work together. And that's what this community is all about. And, and thank you for leading, being the leading voice for Film 3. And as you said, it started from your squad, your lab in New York, and you've brought it to our wonderful space. So this is just the beginning. We're in the beginning. We're pushing. And uh, I can't wait to see what we, uh, we continue to do together. Me too. Awesome. <laughs>